your holy name, God. We thank you, Father, that even in those times when we may have let go of your hand, you never left us. Thank you, God, that your word is true, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. God, we just want to thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We just thank you, God, more importantly, for your love, your unconditional love for us. Now, God, as we stand behind this sacred desk, dear Father, I pray, God, for your strength, dear Lord. I pray for your guidance. I pray for your wisdom. I pray as I decrease in self that you will have the increase and that you will anoint this word as we go forth in this teaching. We thank you, God, for all that you've done, everything that you're doing right now. We just can't help but to give you the glory and the praise. Because when we just start thinking about all that you have brought us through, and where we are now, we just have to say, thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And now, God, as we come to this time of teaching, God, I pray that you prepare the hearts of the listeners. And as our hearts are prepared, Father, that your word will just sink deeply. And as we leave from this place, that we leave differently from the way that we came in. And that is that we'll be even more filled with your glory. In Jesus' name, let your church say amen. 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 You may be seated. We're going to go through some scriptures. How's everyone doing this morning? Everybody good? Come on, let me hear you. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Yes. Yes, it's a good day. It's a good day. It's a good day. So, you know, we have been in this series of Dying to Live. I hope um, that you have been enjoying it, and I hope that you, it's our prayer that you've been getting something from it, and I praise that your questions have been answered or being answered. Um, I just, I again, want to appreciate the feedback that we've been getting because your feedback is what's fueling, um, is what's fueling this um, particular series. And so this morning, uh, we're going to jump right on in, if you don't mind. We're going to jump right on in, and we're going to deal with three questions that popped up. And the three questions came up with, can you lose your salvation? Anybody ever heard somebody say, now don't make me lose my salvation? I know some of y'all said it when you, just when you're about to jump off, you're like, don't make me lose my salvation. <laughs> Second question, why will a loving God send people to hell? And the third question is, what, uh, what would the world be like if the fall of man had not occurred? What would it have been like if Adam and Eve had not messed up in that garden? What would it be like? What would we be dealing with? All right. So the first question, can you lose your salvation? Can you lose your salvation? This is a question that comes up very, very frequently, especially uh, with our decision counselors. They've you know, given us some feedback on that. And that you know, some, uh, often when people are coming to, um, coming to the altar, their main concern is, you know, <laughs> Can I lose my salvation? Can, you know, I did such and such and such and such, and I'm just concerned that I'm losing, uh, that I could possibly lose my salvation. Well, let me just give you the short answer to that. The short answer is no. All right? No, you cannot lose your salvation. Y'all repeat after me. No, no. I, cannot I cannot lose my salvation. Now, let me give you the other part of that. If you have sincerely repented... And by faith you ask Jesus to come into your life, then you are saved and your salvation is eternally secure. Amen? So if you, if you were, uh, when you gave Jesus your life and you totally repented and you were sincere when you did that thing, then you are secure. Your salvation cannot be lost. Amen? Is everybody good with that? Amen. Give the Lord a hand praise. Thank him for the fact that he secured our foundation. So here's the thing. When we come to Christ, he comes to live within us uh, and, and by his spirit, that is. And, and he, will, he won't leave us. Once, God, once the Holy Spirit enters in us and once we have accepted salvation, Jesus Christ, does, the Holy Spirit does not leave us. 
He will not leave us. Now, we might walk off. We might drift away, but he doesn't leave us. He stays with us. He will never depart from us. And, and when we come into him, and when we come to him, and we come to accept the salvation, God then adopts us into his family, and we become his children. We become his children because we have been adopted into the family of God. And he will never disown you. He will never disinherit you. And so the thing that troubles some Christians is that they think that when they have committed a major sin, um, and that's, that major sin could be anything in their mind, where they just think it, they could have been, they just slacked off from coming to church on a regular basis. The major sin could be they laid somebody out and they spoke in other tongues. I don't know. You know what I mean? The, um, uh, it, it could be whatever is considered major. They just slipped off. And, and when I'm talking about a major sin, because the point of the matter is sin is sin. That's the one thing we need to understand, that sin is sin. And so there's really, really, truly no such thing as a major sin. Because um, sin is sin. But sometimes folks will think, Oh, because I did such and such. You know, I cheated on my mate. I did this and I did that. And whatever the case may be, that I can lose my salvation. Even as horrible as any of those things may be, we will not lose our salvation because Jesus Christ will not disown us. He would not disown us. We are still his children. And those of us who are parents, we understand that when our kids do something that we don't approve of, no matter how horrible it may be, we don't disown them. We might not like them, but we don't disown them. And so God doesn't disown us. He doesn't disown us either. Romans 8 and 39 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's go back on it again. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now repeat after me. Nothing that I can do can separate me from the love of God. Say that one more time because I want to make sure that marinates in your mind. Nothing that I can do to separate me from the love of God. That's some powerful love, isn't it? That's some real powerful love. Because I can think of some stuff something I could do to me that will separate me from their love. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but nothing will separate us from God's love. So the thing of it is, is that when we understand and when we're looking at salvation, we have to look at salvation that is not based on how good we are. It is not based on how good we are, which when you hear people um, saying, you know, I'm trying to make it into heaven. You know, I'm trying to make it there. I'm trying to make it there. Listen, look, let's just put that to bed right there. None of us can make it into heaven on our own. Point black period. It's, it's, it's no make it into heaven. Um, there was a, a, a song back in the day, um, Barnes and Brown, up the rough, going up the rough side of the mountain. I'm doing my best to make it in. Well, your best, you don't have a best. Okay, so you don't have a best, you know, and, you know, we could go down the line of a number of these uh, hymns of the church, the songs of the church that are really not spirit scriptural at all, you know what I mean? And that going up that rough side of the mountain, it was one of them that just can kind of make the hair on the back of your head stand up because it's going like, I'm just trying to make it in. And people going around saying, you know, I'm just trying to make it into heaven. If you are saved, you're going to heaven. And you can't try to make it in because you're not going to make it in on your own. You've got to make it in through Jesus Christ because he is, he is, the, is our redeemer. He is our substitute. He is our righteousness. And, and, and salvation is solely on him because he is perfect. So, again, it's not based on how good we are. It's not based on how well behaved we are. Yes, we do need to act right. We need to be right. We need to think right. But the truth of the matter is, all of us mess up. Why y'all asking all slow? Like, are y'all, are you thinking about your last mess up? Is that's what it is? Okay, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna go with that one. Okay, because it's not based on again. It's not based on how well behaved we are. We do need to be good. We do need to follow God's word. But but our salvation, and we just need to thank God for that. That our salvation is not based on how good we are. Okay? It's not based on works. It's not based on works. You know, in the scripture where Jesus, where this, uh, Jesus is saying that many said, Lord, Lord, come into him. And there were many who prophesied, who taught in his name. And they came before Jesus. Jesus said, but I don't know you. 
Because there's a whole lot of folks that run around here and can be calling on the name of Jesus and doing some wonderful works in the name of Jesus, but it does not mean that they are saved. Okay? It does not mean that they are saved. So, Ephesians 2.9 from the New Living Translation says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. All right? Ephesians 2 and 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. We have done no good thing. So nobody can boast. So you don't have a group of people over here. Well, I'm, you know, I'm so this, I'm so that. You got another group of people over here, you know. We don't want to have that kind of vision. You just say, no, salvation is not based on your good things. So nobody can boast. Romans 3.10, there's no one righteous, not even one. So the righteousness that we have is Jesus Christ's righteousness. So when God looks upon us, those who are saved, when he looks upon us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ. Amen? All right. Now, here's the thing about salvation. Salvation is conditional. It's conditional. It's conditional because it requires that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's conditional. We don't pop out the womb saved. The only way you get to heaven uh, or to receive salvation is that you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, right, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that makes it conditional, conditional. And the reason God makes it conditional is because, again, he wants us to come to him because we want to come to him, that we want to be saved, and that we're not coming to him because we feel like we have to or because he has wired us to a point where we, must, uh, we have no choice but to come to him. We got a choice in everything. And so, so salvation is con- conditional. Now, here's the thing about salvation. Even though we're saved and we know that we're saved and we cannot, God will not let us, we will not um, fall from God's hand. He will always hold on to us. Salvation does not give you and I a lesson to live any kind of way. It doesn't give us a lesson to to live any kind of way. We We still need to align ourselves up with the word of God. We still need to put forth an effort to to walk this thing out and to conduct ourselves in a manner um, that Jesus Christ has outlined for us in his scripture. It doesn't give us a license that just because I'm saved, I can go off over here and do what I want to do because God's mercies is new every day. I get a whole new brand new batch of nurses, so everything I used up on yesterday, I got a whole new batch on this week, on on today, and so I can do what I want to do. Doesn't work like that. Okay? It doesn't work like that. We still have to strive. We still have to go forward. And so, um, so, that, so therefore, again, it doesn't give us a license to live any way at all. So, again, the question will come back, well, I'm just not sure if I'm saved. Well, here's the thing about salvation that can give you an idea whether you're really saved or not. And that is, a saved person can no way, no how, constantly live in sin and not be convicted. They do it. If you are truly saved, you cannot continually be in, in sin and not be convicted. It cannot happen. If you're really saved, if you are not, if that's a sure sign. So if there's any question, go down that line. If you're comfortable with the sin, if you don't feel any conviction, no remorse, no guilt, no shame. I bet you a nickel to a dime you ain't saved. <laughs> but then again, I don't have a heaven and hell to put you in. So I'm going to put that out there. You cannot, because darkness cannot thrive with light. Light, you cannot. Because when the Holy Spirit is in you, I'm telling you, and, and those of y'all who say people, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You may, we might be out there doing something, and sometimes we can do stuff, and we already know from Jump Street is wrong. Yeah. Christians, we do that, don't we? 
We already know from the beginning what I'm about to do ain't right. <laughs> and that's the Holy Spirit telling us what you're about to ready to do. You know that ain't right. You know that's not right. You might want to pump your brakes and just back it up a little bit. But you know how sometimes we get the flesh get the best of us. And we're going to go for it. Yes, sir. Locked and loaded. Boom. Here it is. Then after it's out there, then we go like, oh, man. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit in the back of your mind saying, I told you so. Told you not to go down that road. You went down there anyway. Told you don't do that. And then, then we come to the altar. Now we're going to lay it across the altar. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Father, forgive me. We be calling on everybody up in heaven. I promise you I won't do that again. I got any witnesses? Y'all don't need to raise your hand. <laughs> yes. But God is good. He's merciful. He's merciful. So that, that, that moves us into our next question. Why will a loving God send people to hell? That's another real, real, real good question. That's a good question, that's, and that's a question. Um, that's a question that, that also opens up other questions and other discussion points. You know, we could, we could sit on this one for a couple of Sundays right by itself. It opens up other dis discussion points and other questions because, you know, the question could come up is if Christians are saved and will live eternally with Christ, then what is this judgment seat all about? Because we still got to come to the judgment seat. So if I'm saved, what, I'm what am I being judged on? And how am I being, am I being judged the same as someone who's not saved? Or what is, what, what is it? What is it for me? Okay, so that's, a, that's another question for another time, okay, that, that we'll be, be getting into that. And then another question will come up, well, you know, Pastor Kay, what about those people who never, ever heard about Jesus Christ? Never heard about God. They never heard. They died. What happened to them? You know, what, 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 what happens to them? You know, the Word says that, you know, we need to believe on Jesus Christ. You just said to confess with your heart. You know, and then you just said that. So what about those folks who maybe never heard, you know, Jesus Christ? They were never raised in an environment. So, again, the, those are some deep questions that, that, that from this particular question can open up more, as you can see. And just, it goes on and on and on. And so we will, we will have to address, break those down and address that on another time as far as what is the judgment and what else that requires and um, some folks are asked about, are we going to go into Revelations? How many of y'all would like to go into Revelations? Oh, they didn't say anything, did they, Pastor Queen? <laughs> Just want to put this out. Revelation is nothing for us as believers to be afraid of. Okay? Revelations give us hope. The only people who need to be afraid of Revelation is the folks who ain't saved. They're the ones who need to be scared. All right? But we good. All right? Tell your neighbor, we good. You saved, you good. You good, all right? So, um, so the question again at hand is, why will a loving God, why will a loving God send people to hell? So I want to give you a short answer one more time. And that short answer is, God doesn't send anybody to hell. Our choices send us to hell. He doesn't send us to hell any more than God sends us to heaven. God doesn't send you to heaven, doesn't send us to heaven, he doesn't send us to hell. Our decisions sends us to where our decisions determine, let me put it this way, our, the choices and our decisions determine which way we're going to go, all right? Which way that we're, we're going to go, how, where are we going to be spending eternity? Because God has established, God has established a standard for us to live by, and that standard, again, is in Romans 10, 9. We've already talked about that, read that, but it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. Save. Everybody know that scripture, right? Yeah. Everybody should have that one down in case you need to leave somebody to salvation. Yeah. All right, that's your scripture point. You need to leave a family member to salvation. Go to this one, okay? All right, here's the other thing about God. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. 
Because hell was not made for God's people. Hell was made for Satan and his demons. That's who hell is made for. So, you know, in, um, in, in 2 Peter 3 and 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. And then we underline, but long-suffering toward us, not willing that anyone should perish, but that what was that word? All. Say it again. All. Should come to repentance. So God wants everybody to come to repentance. Everybody. He doesn't want anyone to miss this boat. He doesn't want anyone to miss this boat. And because God doesn't want anyone to be lost, because he wants all of us, he wants all of humankind, he doesn't want anyone going in the opposite direction, going opposite away from him. So what God is doing is he's constantly reaching out. He's constantly, constantly excuse me, seeking and reaching out to the lost. He's, he's con contacting, he's talking to people through other people. He, he is constantly going out trying to find and um, speaking to the hearts of those who do not know him and who have not accepted him. And God started that process all the way back in Genesis, 3, and in, Genesis in the beginning, in the garden. And when, when you remember when, when Adam and Eve, after they had committed the sin, did what they were going to do, what did God do? He went out looking for them. He went out seeking them. It started back in the garden. He started seeking lost mankind in the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Started back then. So he didn't want, he didn't want Adam and Eve to be lost out there. He didn't want them to continue. And the thing is still true to this day. He's still constantly, he's constantly calling, where are you? Where are you? When you coming home? When you gonna give that up? When you gonna come to where you know where you're supposed to be? And God so desperately, so desperately want us to be with him that God did something that none of us would do. And that is he gave his only son to pay for our sins so that we could live forever and ever with him. He gave his only begotten son. John 3, 16. Let's read that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There it is right there. So he's still seeking. He gave up his son. I don't want anybody to be lost. I don't want anyone to be going to hell. I'm doing everything possible, even down to sacrificing my son so that there will be a pathway for anyone who wants to be saved can get to heaven. So God is on a mission. He's constantly on a mission seeking the lost. He's constantly on a mission seeking those who are broken. He's constantly on a mission looking for those who are in pain and who are trouble in their hearts and who are trouble in their minds. He's constantly on the look, on the, on the lookout for us. Luke 19 and 10, the NIV version says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. God is looking for us and he's always providing and he has provided a way for every living soul to choose salvation. He has provided a way. So there's no excuse. There's no one who's under the sound of my voice who's not saved. There's no one, no excuse why a person cannot be saved because God has provided a way. And that way, that doorway to heaven, that doorway to salvation is none other than through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. He is the door. He is the door. John 10 and 9, he says it himself. He says, I am the door. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So he is providing, he keeps putting it out, and he constantly puts it out there. Psalm 18 and 16, he reached down from heaven, rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. Anybody can here can relate to you. Anybody here remember when God just reached down for you? You didn't, you wasn't hooked up with him. You might knew about him. But he reached down for you and he pulled you up out of the muck of mine. Anybody, anybody can recall that? 
Anybody just remember how you were just amazed how God was with you even then you didn't fully recognize him, that he still was there with you, and that he didn't let you go by so far when he pulled you back in? And this is what this psalmist is talking about. The psalmist is talking about how God reached down from heaven and pulled him out, pulled him out of deep water. If he's over in deep water, that man, his feet couldn't touch the bottom. He's pulling him out because God is always seeking. He's constantly seeking. He's constantly calling out. Let me ask you this question. How many of us, before you came to salvation, can remember Somebody talking to you about God? Anybody? Anybody? Um, grandmama praying for you. Anybody remember that? Uh, you ever had any, you know, mama dragging you to church and you didn't want to go? Anybody have a co-worker telling you about God? Anybody ever been laid in the hospital and you had somebody coming in and they tell you about God or you were in trouble? And it's telling you about God, or maybe you heard a song on the radio, or you did show up to church for some out of funeral, or some out of wedding, or something, you know what I mean? Christmas, Mother Day, and Easter. <laughs> yeah, one of the three, and you just kind of heard that. I mean, it may not be anybody in here, but I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just going to put this out there. It may not be anyone in here, but you might, have, you might know somebody. Anybody know somebody? on me back up. You notice that? Man, nobody's saying nothing. They're about looking at me. You know somebody that knows somebody. That knows somebody. Who was in that situation? Y'all with me now, right? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Know somebody that you know somebody that you know somebody. Right. Yes. Yes. And you just heard about God. I mean, even if you grew up in church, doesn't mean you're saved. See, even you growing up in church, you still had to hear the word and then accept it for yourself, you know? And that's where some, some church people get hung up uh, and simply because they weren't taught. Not out of ignorance, it was it, out, of, out of ignorance of the word, is that they weren't taught. They think church membership means salvation. And that's why they can walk around saying, I hope I make it into heaven. Because nobody taught them you can't make it into heaven. And just because you come to church and give your tithes and your offering, do not qualify you as a Christian. We appreciate the, t- the gifts, though. <laughs> but it doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you automatically in heaven. So, I mean, to, to be saved and you're going to make it to heaven. So, so we can think about that. And we, and we can think about those things. And, and, we, and we know... Um, we know that um, hearing God's word are those things that, that brought us uh, into salvation and, and brought us into where we have a chance to, to, to know who God is and to be saved. And so again, hell, um, when, you, when you look at the description of hell, and I should have had that up, um, hell is really separation from God. And when you, how many of you have read stories about near-death experiences? Anybody? Okay. So part of doing this, I was doing a lot of studying on that. So you have people who not only have experience, near-death experience, and got a glimpse of heaven, you have people who had near-death experience and got a glimpse of hell. And what are several major differences? In heaven... Most people saw a light, they saw other people, so forth and so on. Hell, when you start listening to this, listening, reading the stories, they were alone. They were in isolation. See, sometimes some people say, well, I don't mind going to hell because it's going to be one big party. You can't party by yourself. Because... Because when you listen, if, if, it's, if it's true what these people experienced, that meant they were spending eternity alone, in stench, in noise. The Bible tells us, you want to die and can't die. You want to die, but cannot die. That right there should drive everybody right to the cross. Want to die, but cannot die. 
And, 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 and it's, it's this eternal separation from a living God. Eternally. Now, we already did the math if we just proposed, you know, then again, we were just supposing, you know, if, 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 if a thousand years is just one day for God, how long eternity will be. Remember, we did that calculation. So the thing of it is, is that some of us have some crucial conversations that we need to be having with some family members. Because all of us, myself included, know of family members who, don't, who are not in a good relationship with God. We know of folks where the closest thing to church that got is to turn on the radio on Sunday morning and listen to gospel music. And then when they leave away from here, that's what the obituary says. They enjoy gospel music. It is. It tells us everywhere they spent, but in nowhere it says that they had a relationship with the Lord. And so we all know someone who's in that predicament. And you might be saying, well, you know, Pastor K, well, how can I judge if anybody say, ask them? You know, what, what, is, what is your relationship with the Lord? You know, now, just don't roll up any time and roll up and want somebody. <laughs> you know, just don't roll up out the clue. You say, you're going to heaven, then you're going to turn them right on off and see anybody going to try to talk to you. And please don't be throwing a whole lot of scriptures at them. Don't be pasting scriptures up on the bathroom window and mirror and in the car seat and all the other kind of stuff, all right? Be, you have to be mindful and be in prayer for about it and is ask God to guide you into how to have that conversation. But many of us have to have a crucial conversation. Some of us, I can just speak from in my own family, we, I know you grew up with the Lord, but now you have walked away so you don't even know whether God exists. That needs to be a serious conversation that needs to be had. And so the thing of it is, is that God does, he does, once we hear the word, I think that's why some people don't come to church, because once you hear the word, you're accountable. Watch everybody getting ready to leave now before I get to the end. <laughs> once you hear it, you are now accountable. You know, and so when you give it to someone, you know, and even if you're talking to that person, they may not come to salvation at that moment. And that's okay. You have Lisa planted the seed. Or, or you may, it may not got to the seed part. As Paul said, you might be just breaking the ground up. Somebody else might have to come along and put a little seed in there. Somebody else come along and water it. And then somebody else can come along. They're the ones who are going to bring them to Jesus Christ. So don't worry too much about what your part in the process is. Start the process. Start the conversation. Because we have loved ones. And you don't want a loved one in hell. You don't want a loved one there. You want all everybody to come to heaven where we can all be together. Amen? Because let me tell you something. There is no second chance once we close these eyes. No second chance. Now, what God does after we close them, I don't know. But I can't sit here and say to you, you know, well, you know, the Lord still might can speak to you. God can do anything. He can. He can do anything. He can have, he can speak to, I, he can speak, God can still meet a person even in a comatose state. Because God can do anything. All right? But it, it would not be good for me to stand here and say, I need you to bank on that. You understand? Because I don't know. Okay? So we don't want to take that chance on that. All right. So. God is good, God is loving, God is merciful, God is, 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 a, is, is a forgiving God, but we also need to remember that God is a righteous judge. God is a righteous judge, and he will not interfere with anyone's free will. He will not impose. That's why heaven and hell is a choice. Salvation is a choice. He will not interfere. And the thing of it is, is because God won't, again, he won't compromise uh, with, our, with our free will, but at the same time, God will not compromise his holiness, and God will not lower his standards to meet our needs. Because, see, here's the thing about when questions coming up, whether or not God will let somebody into heaven. God cannot, and he will not allow an unrepented soul that doesn't trust him 
that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, who has no remorse for their grief, they, I mean, for their sin, he can't let them into heaven because God is holy and he cannot dwell with sin. Sin can't go to heaven with us. If sin goes to heaven with us, then we're going to be right back where we are right now because somebody's going to mess up because the one unrepented. So God can't allow that to come in. So again, the, 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 the short answer to a deep question is God doesn't send, send anyone to hell, but we choose hell. Hell is a choice. It's a choice when we refuse to accept God's standard, when we refuse to accept Jesus Christ into our life, um, then that becomes our choice. We end up, we determine where we will spend eternity. We make that determination. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last question. Three. What would the world be like if man had not fallen? Anybody ever just thought about that? Anybody else? If, just, if that just didn't happen, then... How many, how many of y'all... I'm going to talk to the ladies. How many of y'all just waiting to talk to Eve when you get to heaven? hating. I just want to let her know. I have art with you. <laughs> no, I know that's not allowed up there either, but I might, do, I might look at a side eye, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it, things just got worse for women when she just went. I mean, you know, can you imagine having, going into labor and not having a whole lot of pain and, you know what I mean? You know? Whew. Anyway, again, so that's another profound question that, that leads again to other questions. It leads to so many other questions that we just could dialogue and dialogue over that all the time. Because somebody might, you know, the other questions that pop up where, oh man, you know, well, if, 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 um, if, if man hadn't sinned, then, you know, where would, where would everybody go if everybody was living forever? You know what I mean? Would the world become overpopulated? How would that's going to happen? Or... Uh, if, if, if we have free will, because we're going to have free will, doesn't that mean eventually somebody, somebody, somewhere was going to mess up? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? And also good questions, some, you know, something to talk about. And the thing is, the Bible doesn't give us all of the what-if answers. But um, in trying to um, look at what possibly the world would have been like, and again, I'm saying possible, because we don't know. We don't know totally what it would be like. Um, let's look at um, Isaiah 11, 69, and I'm doing it from the New Living Translation. Isaiah 11, 69. Um, it says, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and the little child will lead them all. Now let me press pause with the little child will lead them all. You know, sometimes folks take that little scripture out of context. You know, when they see little kids doing something, you know, the child shall lead them. No. In here, they're talking about the child is going to lead the wolf, the lamb, the leopard, and the baby goat. Them. These are the them. All right, so now, first Christian members... What is it that Pastor K will not hear you say? Let the church say amen. amen. If I hear y'all saying that, I'm going to stop messing with y'all. The cow, the cow will graze near the bear. Looks at that picture. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hands in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. So again, in this passage... The prophet Isaiah is revealing to us 
uh, or giving us, I should say, a possible glimpse of what the world could have been like, but it's definitely telling us what the world is going to be like, what the new heaven and the new earth is going to be like. And we can celebrate that right there. We, we, got, we, we might have missed that first boat, but this second boat, we on it. Okay? Um, and because when Jesus returns, he's going to remove all of the curse of sin. He's going to remove all of the curse of sin from the world. So even though Jesus Christ has died for us and he has conquered sin, but there's still sin still here. Does it make sense what I'm saying? I mean, we all living with the effects of it. So we know that it's still here. Okay, so it will be completely removed when Jesus comes back. And then he's going to restore peace to all of creation. So, so he's showing us what, what Isaiah is showing us possibly what the world may, may have been like, would have been like, had Adam and Eve had not sinned. And so that meant we would have been in the perfect world because all of us would have known God. We wouldn't have departed from him because things didn't get disrupted until they took the fruit. And that's when everything went downhill and every, all the trouble started coming because sin entered in. Okay? And so everybody was supposed to live in harmony. You know, this probably explain why Eve wasn't, wasn't afraid of the serpent. Now, I still wonder why are we having a conversation with a snake? But I mean, that's a whole nother picture. So I do wonder about that. Was it really a snake? Or are we calling something else? You know what I mean? But that's a whole nother thing. So anyway, the, the world was not intended to have sickness. We're not, we wasn't intended to have conflict. It wasn't supposed to be conflict. So imagine a world. I just want you to take, put on your spiritual imagination. So imagine a world where only God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was worshipped. Let's start with that. Imagine that. No other religion. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are ruling the world. It will be a world with no racism. There will be no biases. Prejudice would not exist. The Holocaust would never have occurred. There would never have been slavery. There would be no ghettos, or uh, as they would call it back in the day. There would be, there would, the Native Americans would not be, be forced to live on land that nobody wants. We would all be living together. There would, there would be no, there would no, no civil rights movement would have to have occurred. We wouldn't have a Black Lives Matter. There wouldn't have been a march for our lives. There wouldn't be need for guns. If it had not changed, we wouldn't have guns. We wouldn't have a need for guns um, because God did not intend that there would be any death at all. He didn't mean for anything to be killed. And, and so that means, because remember when in the garden, he told them they could do what? Eat of every, every fruit, right? Except for this one. He didn't say anything about animals because nothing was going to be killed. Now, this is going to break your heart. When the world comes, when the new heaven and new earth comes, we're going to be vegetarians. <laughs> so y'all better enjoy them ribs you're going to have today. Ain't going to be no fried chicken. Meet her, ain't gonna be no steam crabs. I know I'm breaking your heart now. Five guys is not going to exist. You ain't getting no juicy burger. We're gonna be vegetarians. Now, that doesn't mean for you all to leave up out of here today and take it all in just in case. I thought about that, you know, and I'm like, wow, you know, we, we're going to be vegetarian, but it's supposed to be all good, so we're not going to miss it. So cause you're not going to miss the barbecue ribs. You're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss You're not going to miss the fried chicken, okay? You're not going to miss not having the crab feast, okay, and, and steamed shrimp. You can have corn.
So there wasn't supposed to be any sickness, no disease, no disabilities. The world was supposed to have been a place where all nations and races would celebrate and treasure each other's physical and cultural differences as beautiful. It was supposed to be a place where every marriage is strong and healthy and no such thing as a divorce. And every child would have been born into a family with a mother and a father because they would have been, with, been blessed with loving, God-fearing parents. It was supposed to be a world where, where there was no addictions, no violence, no abuse. A world when conflicts, when, when conflicts and when misunderstandings occur, people will resolve their issues. They'll come together to sit down at the table to resolve their issues. And when they got up, both parties were going to be satisfied. That's what the world was supposed to be like. It wasn't supposed to be like where we harboring feelings about folks and not addressing issues, because he's still giving us a way now, even in this unperfect world, that when we have art against somebody, when we got an issue against somebody, God has already given us an outline how we're supposed to deal with it. But, but in the perfect world, we won't have any of that. It'll be a world where governmental officials were truly about the people and for the people and not for personal gain or power. A world where locks on doors would not be required. People could walk anywhere at any time, day or night, and not even be concerned about any harm come to them. A world where we have the freedom to choose sin, but we choose not to, because it will be our desire to be in a right relationship with God. A world where we were one with him and each other. A world that was of one faith, one baptism, and one Lord. That, in brief, is the world that God created in the garden and the world that he really intended for us to live. However, we, we do have this assurance that even though it didn't work out that way, we have the assurance that God has made a way. He's made a way through Jesus Christ for the world to eventually one day to live just how the prophet Isaiah described it that that day is coming. And so that's the thing that we hold on to. So in the meantime, we, we got to deal with the sin of this world. We still got to deal with it. But, but what I can tell you with confidence is that Jesus has conquered sin. Sin has been comfort, conquered. He has defeated death. And one day, G is coming back, and he's going to crack that sky. And he is coming back. And John said this over in John 21, I mean, in Revelation 21, um, 1 through 4. John the Revelator said this. He said, he said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, so all of this is going to pass away. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no longer any sea. He said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And the bride, that's us, that's the church, y'all. That's the church coming. Jesus Christ is our husband. And he said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he is going to wipe away every tear from their eye and, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning. We're not going to be grieving anything anymore. We're not going to be crying out of pain, but we're going to be crying tears of joy instead. There's going to be no pain anymore for all of the former things. Everything that we are experiencing right now will be passed away. That's what we as believers have to look forward to. That's our faith. That right there... That's our hope. Because the day is going to come when the victory, when the victory of Jesus Christ is going to be complete. It's coming. When? We don't know. Even the angels in heaven do not know. 
but a day is coming. That is the thing that we hold on to. That is the thing that we hold on to to get us through those difficult days. That is the thing to hold on to when it seems like life just won't get any better. That is the thing that we hold on to. That this day is coming. This day. If you can receive that. So, I want to ask everyone, if you don't mind, just please stand. If you were able to walk in here, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And as our decision councils are coming. So, in part, this message is a salvation message. And I'm asking anyone who's here under the sound of my voice, that if you are not saved, you don't know where you're going to spend eternity. I don't want you to leave this place. I'm, we're giving you an opportunity right now at this moment that you can come down and secure your salvation and your place in eternity with heaven and with God now. If there's anyone in here, maybe you're not sure you're not sure. Maybe you're one of those people saying, if I make it to heaven. I don't want you to leave away from here not being assured of your salvation. So now if you're here, I invite you to come down. The decision council will meet with you. They will talk with you. There's going to be no condemnation. No shame in the game. Because, see, here's the thing. We all want to go to heaven. As the song said, where the day of rejoicing, it will be. So now, this is what I need you to do. I had you do it before, but I need you to do it all seriousness. Because this is a serious moment. Because I don't want anybody to walk out that door. And you've had an opportunity. Now I need you to check with your folks. Don't make any assumptions about anybody. Ask them, are you good with the Lord? Do you want to be saved? And if you're not, I will walk down here with you. Ask them, are you sure of your salvation? Do you know where you're going to be? Do you know where you're going to be? All right? Everybody good? I don't see nobody moving. That means everybody good. Is that what that means? Is that what I'm looking? That's what I'm seeing? Everybody good? Well, then y'all need to act like you're good. Yeah. Everybody good. Yeah, well, he's saying that's right. So now let's look around this room. That means that when we get to heaven, we ought to see every face in this room up in heaven. All right? And that will be a day of rejoicing. Come on now, put your hands together. Because everybody need to be there. Everybody need to be there. God bless you. God bless you. All right. We had salvation. Anybody for prayer? Anybody just have prayer? Membership or baptism? We want to give you this opportunity right now. Anyone who would like to be baptized? All right. Everybody all good? Y'all good? All right. All right. What does it say, Pastor Queen? The blood is no longer applied in my hand. Amen. I have done my job. I have done my mission.